Welcome to the Purple Talk podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham. Joining me, my good friend Doug Christie. DC, what's going on? How are you, man? I hope that you're staying safe and uh, watching out for the fires and everything. And to all of our firefighters and first responders, thank you guys so very much for all of the brave and incredible work you do. Please, please keep it up. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's a that's a good place to start, Doug. Actually, um, number one, this it's September 11th. Um, it's a 19th anniversary of uh, the attacks on the World Trade Center. So a very grim day in U.S. history. Um, so yes. thoughts and prayers again to all of those impacted, which the reach has been, you know, just so far. And it's uh, and not only that, but you know, it wasn't just what happened that day, but you know, the deaths that have occurred after that because of uh you know first responders and people in the area who who breathed in chemicals and and did work uh knowing that they you know that they may not survive it long term um so yeah uh you know doug one of my best friends growing up he uh lost his house in the jones fire up here and the destruction is is absolutely incredible Uh, i'll send out a a link to his gofundme because like look we all live in a, a lot of people listening to this live in california and I just want to make sure people know that if you are one of the ones that were impacted and had to go uh, go get new um, new insurance for your house, homeowners insurance, like cover California, wow. yeah. that if you had to do that and your house hasn't burned, but you know, you also need to make sure that you have renter's insurance on top of that because cover California doesn't cover any of your property inside the home. Oh man, it just covers property and it just covers. Yeah uh you know the building and so you know my buddy you know like he's almost well he's in his late 40s and he's lost everything so like golf clubs you know the little things that you don't think about you know all the things that you've collected all of the you know your 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 cooking knives that you've worked with forever and all of the things that you know so if you do have color cover california make sure you go out and get a renter's policy and they're they're super cheap but if you don't have it then your house goes up then uh, yeah, the destruction is horrible, Doug. And um, I'll say this too, you know, my wife and I were talking this morning, we've been doing a great job of working out and walking around the lake. And, you know, I've lost, I think it's uh, 22, 24 pounds at this point. That a boy. The, during the Let lockdown. Go, yeah. I'm all thin. Yeah. I, I even yeah. shave. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're in a funk now because it's been a month where we can't go outside and breathe the air. I don't think people, if you don't live here in this area, you can't go outside and, and, you know, we can't run the boat on the lake. We can't do anything. I mean, it's, it's bad up here. And I think a lot of people are stuck inside. So not only do we have a global pandemic, not only do we have all of these, you know, the, the presidential election coming up, not, we have all this, all the uh, protesting and all this stuff. Now we really are locked in our homes uh, in, in sort of a crazy lockdown, which, you know, to be honest, m- might work out to be somewhat of a good thing because at least people will stay inside and social distance and, and all that stuff. But it's yeah, a little wild, isn't it, Doug? It's, it's very wild, man. Unfortunate time, but stay safe, wear your mask, love each other, help each other. This is a, a crazy time in our history, but one that uh, I think has been coming for a long time and, and hopefully continued really, really positive things come out of this for everyone involved. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to the basketball stuff. Um, Sacramento Kings, of course, are in a 
massive search for a new, I, it's hard to, I'm not quite sure what they're looking for, Doug. Um, and I've actually been told, like, I don't know how to describe it anything other than we're looking for an executive. Um, so basically, at first, I thought they were looking for a GM to work underneath Joe Dumars. I thought that that would be an interesting dynamic and could cause some problems with who your talent pool was. Um, you know, unless you're going for a guy like Scott Perry, who's worked with Joe Dumars for years and years, and you're trying to fit a team around Joe Dumars. Um, but the initial list that we just got out, uh, it's, it's started at six names. It's down to five. Mm -hmm. Um, there's possibility it will expand and contract uh, a bunch over the next couple of weeks, but I expect, you know, we're at September 11th. Um, by the end of September, the King should have somebody in place. I mean, if you're this far into the process, um, I don't know, Doug, is there, what do you want? L let's not even talk about the names yet. What mm -hmm. are you looking for in an executive? Because look, I, Vlade was brought in and I, I'll be the first to acknowledge Vlade did not have the experience that most people have coming into the job, but he was brought in because he's a guy who is known for his ability to build a culture uh, that he's just like a, you drop him in and he's a culture builder. You know, everyone wants mm -hmm. to be around Vlade. He's a good spirit. He's a good man. Um, but this, this time around, what do you want, Doug? What do you want from a guy? You know, it, it depends because is this person going to define the culture? Is the culture going to be defined before this person gets here and then they are going to enhance and bolster the culture? I think those are the things that, that have to be defined stylistically. What is going to be the approach? Is is it going to be what we see in Luke Walton? Is it going to be more of Joe Dumars and what Joe would like? Is there an analytic side that uh, they want to enhance and think outside the box a lot? lot of different things. When I look at the list, there's some, uh, you know, Houston Rockets in there. There's some, you know, analytics-based things as, as you look at it. I'm big on defining, and I, I look at, for instance, him, what you saw with the Miami Heat and how they defined it. And they brought in Pat Riley, and initially Pat, Pat Riley was the coach, but he defined the culture. Then he goes to the GM and he just continues to enhance the culture. Now he's, I believe he's the president and he's, uh, I think Alonzo Mourning may be the GM. And it just, that is more, and not to say that you're going to copy it. That, that's not what I mean. What is King's basketball? What is King's vibe? What is the King's, when you walk into Golden One Center, when you see King's players, when you, you, you walk in and you say hello to everybody and you know exactly what, what it is that you're going to get. And that product goes from the people who greet you at the door to the product onto the floor. And I'm not sure if that one person that that we're looking on hiring is going to be the, the the definition of that. Are they going to help that? So there are there are questions. When I look at the list, the list is is bona fide from uh, the the sta standpoint that they've already held jobs, they have history, all those different things. Um, more important for me about being a king and wanting to see king uh, king's fandom represented properly is the defining of the culture of Sacramento Kings basketball going forward. I don't know that at this particular time. Is that person going to do this or is that going to be already done? 
Okay, so that's there's a lot to unpack there. Um, the culture is, is always going to be a huge thing, right? That it is what it is. I mean, like the King's culture, it's so much better than it was like eight yes. years ago. Uh, it Absolutely. definitely, the, the improvement in being around the team and being in the locker room, their ability to go out and, and get people that you maybe didn't expect them to be able to get, all of those things. I think that there, there is a culture, sh- there has been a cultural shift. Uh, is it, hundred percent the right culture at this point? Absolutely not. I mean, because again, you take out the top end uh, of, of this, this group, you know, Vlade and Peja are no longer there. And now you don't know if Ken Catanello is going to be back with the new people. You don't know what sort of role that Joe Dumars will have. Uh, you don't know what sort of role uh, Vivek will have or Matina will have and the decisions that are made. Um, and, you know, so there, there are some question marks about how the culture from the top comes. Um, and so that's why I think what you need here is a very, very strong experienced voice. Um, and, you know, like, I'll go back to this, Doug. We all knew what Jeff Petrie wanted. Like, and we knew mm-hmm. the culture of the Kings was Jeff Petrie's culture. Mm-hmm. Now, you didn't have to love it. And there are some some holes in that culture as well. But overall, the way that Jeff brought in his guy and Rick Adelman, the way that Rick Adelman and him worked to find players that fit the system, the way that they worked to bring in culture guys that would help build it um, and that were part of an umbrella of sort of the Jeff Petrie world, to me, mm-hmm. that defined Kings basketball for – I don't know, what was it, 16 years or 17 years he was in charge of the team. Maybe it was 19. It was a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I think you've got to get back to that. You've got – because here I've been covering the team 10 years, and Jeff Petrie, Pete D'Alessandro, slash Chris Mullen, and then the Vladi Divac era. I mean, most NBA franchises don't go through three complete overhauls of a system of who's running everything – in a 10 year span. It's just not mm-hmm. sort of now you've got like a guy like Daryl Morey who, who just keeps adding to his pool. And then those guys keep going out and getting new jobs. Uh, so you have like these general manager executive trees that we're seeing formed uh, just like, you know, there's the, the Popovich coaching tree or uh, you know, there, there are these, these teams that have ability to create executives, to create coaches and then they go out in the world and, and hopefully they're successful. I mean, we're, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing Sean Marks uh, in, in Brooklyn uh, who was, you know, part of the, the front office in San Antonio and like all, or San Antonio or, or uh, Atlanta. But again, it's, it's all part of the same coaching tree, the same, you know, sort of general idea. So I'm hoping that the Kings can find someone that you're right, can build a culture, a culture of winning that, you know, that, um, you know, when we look at the Golden State Warriors, we see the great players on the court. We see a great coach in Steve Kerr, but we also see Bob Myers is out in front of it. And he's a guy who's the face of your franchise uh, as much as your players are. And so mm-hmm. I think the, the Kings need to find that guy. And I'm hoping that that guy is on the list. Uh, does all that make sense to you, Doug? It does. And, you know, 
there is championship pedigree there. I mean, out of out of that whole list that that you're going to go over, uh, yeah. Joe Dumars is probably the one with the highest amount of accolades and what have you. He's yeah. actually built a championship team that went to six, I think, straight Eastern Conference Finals and had the ability to win a championship. So uh, th- that is there and. So I don't know. That's what I mean. Is is Joe going to define it? Is it going to be defined by the person that Joe hires and comes in? And these are the things that when you do something like this and you, you have to begin to solidify exactly what, and I'm using saying Kings basketball, Kings basketball is going forward. Yeah. Okay. So the way, again, I looked at this job initially was, that Joe Dumars would be, you know, executive vice president of basketball. It would be basically Joe Dumars team. Um, and then the guys you're bringing in are going to be GM or, or, you know, would be a GM. And, and that's a really high rate. Every team is, is structured differently. Um, but that would kind of be it. Like there would be a general manager who made a lot of the day-to-day decisions. And then he would have a team underneath him. You know, one guy that's really good at salary cap, one guy who's really good at at scouting one guy who's really good at networking and building relationships so you can get trades done and all this stuff. So that's kind of like the hierarchy that usually you have with a now nowadays. Uh, you know, I think you look down at the, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers, they have one of the better systems and one of the better groups. So at first I thought they were looking for that, that middle, the middle guy, and then the three guys underneath them, you would determine later. Um, mm-hmm. at this point, the, the list, um, it doesn't really read that way. Uh, Calvin Booth, you know, we'll, we'll just go through the list really. We got Sachin, uh, Gupta, uh, who is, yep. I think an executive vice president of the Minnesota Timberwolves. We got, uh, Simon out of, uh, out of Miami, um, Adam Simon, uh, he's the assistant GM. We've got again, Calvin Booth, who's a GM of, of, the Denver Nuggets. We've got Monty uh, McNair, who's an assistant GM in Houston. Uh, we got Wes Wilcox, who was a GM in Atlanta. I'm not quite sure what he had, what his role is now. Um, he's, they've said he's a special advisor there um, in the past, but I'm still not sure what exactly it will get to him. Um, but a couple of things that stand out to me, uh, Monty McNair and uh Sash Gupta are both um, from that Daryl Morey tree. Um, They're, they're analytics guys. Uh, They're super bright. They, you know, a lot of these guys are coming straight from MIT or or someone like that. Like I think Gupta, there was a point where he actually, uh, he left the Houston Rockets to go get his, I think his MBA at Stanford. And then when, uh, Sam Hankey took over the job in Philadelphia. He called, you know, because they used to work together with Houston Rockets. He called him and said, Hey, I want you to be my number two. So he l- left Stanford, joined Philadelphia, and he's smart enough that he continued his studies at Stanford while being the number two at Philadelphia and graduated from Stanford as well to add to his other degrees. Um, so, like, we're talking about advanced analytics guys and we can even we'll start with him he is the trade machine that's what you know people around the nba call him it's they call him the trade machine and it's because uh someone had brought an idea to him at espn to create a trade machine 
uh, where fans could go in and build trades. And he actually was the, the programmer on the back end and created wow. the trade machine. And so people think, oh, well, that's not that hard. It's just like you have a group of names here and a group <laughs> here, and you just have to have pull down windows and like, hey, I want the, I'm going to trade this guy and this guy and this guy for this guy. And, and then maybe you throw in the extra component of um, salaries. The salaries have to match. Well, in that process, he became a collective bargaining like expert because he had to learn all of the nuances about base year compensation players and about when you can trade a player and when you can't. And, and so the trade machine is actually very accurate. Uh, it, it's used by fans everywhere. It's one of the craziest tools ever invented. And so he got the moniker when he was pulled from ESPN by Daryl Morey, when he first got the Houston Rockets job as the trade machine. That's that's. And then he goes on, he is the guy who, uh, who built the trade that really, you know, F the Kings, like, to be honest with you, the, the Vlade Divac's initial trade um, when he really was understaffed and, and was just starting out where he gave up uh, Jason Thompson, Carl Landry, Nick Stauskas in a salary dump and in return gave up uh, two pick swaps and a future first round pick um, that hurt the Kings. I mean, in reality, at the end of the day, when you look back at the trade, it didn't really hurt the Kings. They gave up one pick swap, and the pick swap was they had moved up from number eight to number to number three and then dropped to number five because of that pick swap. That one on paper was like, oh, God, I can't believe this happened. But then the Kings gave up their 2019 first-round pick, which ended up being like the 14th pick. They were actually not that bad. They were the last team that didn't make the playoffs. So it didn't really damage the Kings as much as it looked like. But still, the engineer behind that trade uh, was Gupta. And he's an analytics genius. He Again, he's a Sam Hinkie guy. Uh, he's bounced around a little bit, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, but he, he looks like a brilliant guy. Is there something that stands out when you look at his resume, Doug, that you're like, hmm, okay, I'm in? Well, it, yeah, it, it's, it's the, obviously the analytics part of it. And if that is – that's what I mean by defining culture. If, if you are going to be analytics based, I don't think that there's probably a guy out there that is better than Gupta when it comes to the analytics aspect of things. Now, do you also pair and and I don't know, I, I don't know, uh, Sachin uh, Gupta at all. But so the basketball mind part of it, because there is an analytics and that is a tool that is used. But there's also your Jerry West that just looks at talent and understands talent and sees talent and puts talent onto the floor. So you can have all the analytics in the world, but if it is not paired with talent, it doesn't do anything for you because he can shoot all day, but if he can't move and he can't play and he, it, it doesn't make any sense. But when I see him, so that's, that would be a question is like, does, does he also have the basketball uh, IQ and chops to go with the analytics aspect of it? Because he is a genius when it comes to that, or do you, pair him together with somebody like Joe, for instance, and they are able to work together to put a product onto the floor. But Sashin is, uh, he's special when it comes to the mind aspect of it in, in the analytics part. Thank you for tuning in to the Purple Talk podcast. If you haven't already, please give us a rating and review. And of course, Wendy's has been a longtime sponsor of ours here on the Purple Talk podcast. And right now, Wendy's, when you buy one breakfast favorite, you get another for just a buck. It's an offer so good, you'll want to tell your friends. 
and they'll want to tell their friends, and they'll want to tell their friends, and so on. It's available for a limited time during breakfast hours only. Prices and participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's. Let's get back to Doug Christie, James Ham on the Purple Talk podcast. Yeah, and so I'm also going to bring up at this point, um, you know, McNair is a guy who who also has, uh, he, he comes from the same tree. They, these two guys work together in Houston. So when I see Monty McNair's name on this list and he's an assistant GM, like that's where it becomes confusing as to like, what exactly are we going for? Because we have Mm -hmm. one guy who is, who has basically, you know, gone up the ranks and has been a high number two, uh, mm-hmm. within within an organization. And even now, he's a high number two in Minnesota. So if he's going right. to leave that job, he would be leaving to be a number one. But then I look at McNair, and I'm like, okay, so is this one list or is this a list and these guys could fit different roles? Because I could see Gupta and McNair working together where one of them is the president of basketball ops or something like that. And then mm-hmm. the next step down uh, – is McNair, who's the GM. And the thing I like about him is he's done a really nice job of mining for talent, but he's also the buffer that takes the analytics and helps translate it to the coaching staff uh, Mm. in in Houston. So he has a huge amount of value to Houston because it's like, look, analytics are cool and they mean a lot, but if you don't know how to use the analytics or you bring in a coaching staff that just doesn't value analytics, which the Kings have done multiple times, um, you know, then at what point you have to have somebody who can bridge the gap that can say, look, this is why we're doing this. And if I'm going to help you maximize this player's efficiency, this is how you would do it. These are some ways that you can do it. Um, so, so I could see where. Yeah, let me let me ask yeah. you this: is, is there an analytics, in your opinion, to regular season and, and playoff basketball? Are there two different analytics? Because what I see is a I see a Houston Rockets team. I see uh, and and I'll say the the Phoenix Suns, and they were probably a, a really hard foul away from maybe making the NBA Finals on Steve Nash, where he tore his nose up. Uh, but I see analytics in regular season and I'll use Milwaukee and I'll use Houston, but in the playoffs, it, there is a difference. And I think that people were, have been trying to copy the golden state warriors and they are analytics based, but they also play the total game of basketball. And that is the, in, in, from my take, that is the most important thing. They're looking for layups. They will take mid-range. They understand pass and cut. And when I look at uh, an analytics genius in James Harden, for instance, but then I see him pass the ball and not move at all. And that is, it goes with the analytics because the analytics say that uh, 30 some points a game and he's off the charts. But the game of basketball do you see a difference uh yeah yeah i think that there you have to be able to translate the information right so analytics is is just one of the many tools um you know you can look at it in a little bit the same way you look at baseball like why has billy bean been so successful in oakland for Mm -hmm. you know two plus decades and it's because he mines the the minors he minds major league baseball for guys who have have been undervalued in the past and he 
helps him find positions. He also does a really good job of finding guys through the draft. And, you know, so it's a team effort. So I think a guy has to pass the eye test. Um, and, and then, you know, then you have to make sure that you're not just buying guys with hollow stats. And I think that that's something where, you know, maybe in the past, the the Kings have purchased guys with hollow stats, uh, you know, not to like throw guys under the bus, but, you know, a guy like Dwayne Dedman, um, who looked great on paper, but in functionality, who was not great. Uh, you look at a guy like Aaron Aflalo that the Kings paid a ton of money to. And look, Aaron Aflalo can play on a, on a decent team, but, you know, he's never going to, he's not going to be the guy who changes the outcome of your, of your season and you give him 25 million over two years. That's a lot of money to give a guy who's not a game changer. Um, so I think there are a lot of ways you can look at analytics and, and if I'm going to find a guy who's just analytics based and nothing else, and all he believes in analytics, um, I don't think that that's going to work fully. And I also mm-hmm. think that like Houston, um, Houston's probably going to get bounced from the playoffs again. Uh, one of the reasons why is because they're playing the Los Angeles Lakers and they're just a much better team. Um, but it's also a little bit because you're running PJ Tucker out at six, five as your starting center. And so sometimes you can outsmart the system. Right. And sometimes because the can, analytics say that it works. Yeah. And sometimes you can outsmart yourself. And I think in certain situations, um, you know, we've seen teams that have outsmarted themselves. You have to have a marriage of the two, uh, you know, and like, if we look at, again, we'll talk about Calvin Booth. We look, Calvin Booth to me is a conventional guy. Uh, maybe he can get into analytics, but he is a player first. He's a guy who went through the NBA for eight seasons. He actually finished his career uh, with like a seven or eight game stretch with the Sacramento Kings. He got into scouting. He's moved up. Uh, he a little bit like uh, the way that Sharif Abdul-Rahim did, where he mm-hmm. found a niche. People realized very quickly that he had an eye for talent, that he's really smart. Uh, he's considered one of the best up and coming executives, but again, he just got promoted to general manager of the Denver Nuggets. He's not going to take a lateral move to be the general manager of the Sacramento Kings, unless that position is with more power. Like there, if that's going to be your team, so you have Connolly and, and Denver that it's his team and Calvin Booth is doing a lot of the legwork and he's a really brilliant guy. Um, but it's not his team. So if he's coming to Sacramento it's because you're giving him the team and saying, okay, mm-hmm. man, this is your, your deal. So that's, and I'm okay with a guy like that. But then if I have a guy like that, I'm going to want the analytics side too. I'm going to want to build up a staff around him um, where as opposed to having like a really high end scouting guy, I would replace that with a really high end analytics guy on his, you know, assistant GM stuff and build from there. So it's, it's complex. And I like Calvin Booth, but again, yeah. You don't think Michael Malone's going to have a conversation with Calvin Booth about his experience in Sacramento? Yeah, it's, it's, it's possible. Um, you, you know I, why I used the Miami Heat? Because I, I was around Pat Riley with the New York Knicks, and mm-hmm. Pat Riley was so ahead of the curve. The, the, the difference is he used analytics, actually. And mm-hmm. it was like the first time that I had ever really been around him, and his correlation was the 
how percentages drop when the shot is contested. And he would he charted it and showed all of the, the differences of a contested shot and a wide open shot. And even when you still run at a shot, when the shot is being, when they're shooting it. And that's why in practice, it didn't matter if a guy was already in shooting form, you still ran out there and contested. But it also has something to do with the heart and uh, the determination and the hard work paired with basketball IQ. And so the uh, analytics piece is a piece, but then when you look at a team like the Miami Heat, they, they play the right way. It's the pump fake, it's the pass, it's the screen for each other. It's, it's the attention to detail, it's the defensive side of the ball and everything, I mean, like Jimmy Butler is an incredibly good player. He he's not obviously LeBron James. He's not Kevin Durant. But you pair him as an as an All Star, and part of it is because their team was so good and they won games with a Bam Adebayo and their ability. I can't remember Chet's last name, but Chet is a guy who mines the talent there. And, and he was in Los Angeles when I came uh, early on in my career as a, as a rookie. So yeah, a scout, but being able to see Tyler Hero and being able to see all these players and bring them together and then develop them. So that's what I, when I say, say culture, I see the analytics aspect of it and I see the importance of it, but there is, those are numbers and we're playing basketball yep. and basketball has to, you, you got to have the heart and you got to have all the different things that, that plug the analytics into if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's why Adam Simon is, is probably the guy that most Kings fans want the most. Um, he's a guy who's been through their system. He's a guy who is actually credited with helping find BAM and not only uh, Bam and Tyler Hero, and I mean, but also he was part of the G, he was a GM for their G League team. He helped find, mm -hmm. you know, this group of names. I mean, even you can go back to Hassan Whiteside. You know, again, I think the Miami Heat team has always gone out and chased superstars. That's why they went and chased Jimmy Butler and said, "We'll give up whatever. We'll we just want a superstar," and that makes sense mm -hmm. to me. But then what they've done is they've added so many pieces around the superstars to make it all function and work. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. again, a money ball mentality. And uh, Simon, again, he, it, what is it? Um, who's the kid from Sacramento that, that has played point guard for them? Uh, Kendrick Nunn, right? I think oh, he's yeah. from the area. No, right? no. Uh, you're talking about Gabe. Um, oh yeah, yeah, Gabe Benson. No, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah but Kendrick yeah. Nunn. He went out and found Kendrick Nunn. He went out and found um, who's well, there? Kendrick Nunn also played in the California Classic for the <laughs> Golden State Warriors. You remember that? And yeah. uh, so, so he was he was a prolific scorer at at Oakland in, in yep. college. And no one obviously saw. Well, I would say Golden State saw, but they had some guards that were already really good. When I look at their developmental system, part of it is giving the ball to Bam Adebayo at the Golden One uh, at the California yeah. Classic and saying, "Guess what? You're going to be the point guard." You're the point and guard. I'm like, I'm like, man. And um, that just strikes Marvin Bagley comes to mind, the nuances of the game and all the different things. They did the same thing with Tyler Hero last year and his ability now to see him, you know, it, it's the pressure of understanding what comes with that and the responsibility. And then it gives you, 
it gives you perspective about what you need to go and work on and why it's so important because we don't want you to just be this. We need you to be that. And when you understand that, you go away with a different mindset, a willingness to get in a weight room, a willingness to, to make sure that you're eating right, a willingness to uh, you know, master your skills and all that different things. And it's, um, it's an incredible culture, man. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Miami Heat haven't drafted high in the lottery, but they've come away with Tyler Hero, Ban Adebayo, uh, Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson. Um, they also mm-hmm. found players like Derek Jones, who's still in their system, Duncan yep. Robinson, who's playing valuable minutes, Kendrick Nunn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, they were the one that really spent time like trying to get into the head of Hassan Whiteside and developing him into, you know, sort of bringing the talent out. But you can say the same thing about what they did with, uh, with James Johnson. They totally revitalized his career. There's a whole list yeah. of, of players that they've brought in. And again, part of it's cultural. Part of it is that these guys are on their last legs and you gotta, you gotta figure out how to get in. Um, and so they, they've shown an ability. And I think the problem that you have with Adam Simon um, that I'll point out right away is that he's been, he's been part of that organization for 25 years and he's only, I think he's only 46 years old. He started mm-hmm. as an intern with, uh, with Spolstra in the video room. Video while Spolstra room. Yeah. was just the video guy. And so he really has worked his way up through their system. And I'm sure that there's a long-term idea and plan in place for what happens next. Pat Riley, you know, can't do this forever. Uh, he'll hand over more and more responsibilities over the course of time. Um, but I mean, to me, he might be the best organizational builder guy, someone who's seen it all, who's been in the league 25 years, who's worked with some of the greatest minds. I mean, I think Spolstra is top top one or two or three coach in the NBA. Um, I think it's probably Popovich and then him, um, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that you can develop a culture with a guy like that, but getting him he is going to want to have the entirety of the organization. It will be his organization. And are the Kings willing to do that? Number one, are they willing to pay the money to have that happen? Number two. And then lastly, even if you're willing to pay the money and you're willing to give him the keys, does he want to leave, you know, basketball Mecca uh, in a great location and come to Sacramento and build something? And so I, I, you know, we've touched base on just about all of these guys, but that's always going to be my question. And I also want to touch on something really quick right there. You mm-hmm. talked about this on the last podcast that you thought that the Kings needed to find a, a backup point guard. And it wasn't, it wasn't Corey Joseph. And we got busy and I kind of no, lost no, over I'm, it. I'm saying, I'm saying keep Corey Joseph. No, no, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you were oh, saying keep okay. Corey Joseph. And then, you know what? I was watching... Um, I was watching the Heat Buck series and I'm sitting there watching and I'm like, man, you're right. The missing ingredient is on both of these teams. It's Dante DiVincenzo uh, Mm -hmm. and it's Tyler Hero, which Mm -hmm. they do play a different style. Yes, but but they're both high basketball IQ. Both of them can score in bunches. They're both smart dudes. They both are very athletic that that would really really help the yeah. Sacramento Kings. They if they could mine and find a guy like that, um, I fully get it. And I 
I, I like what they have. I like their four guard main guard set, but if you brought in another guy and then developed him along, um, even the guy like maybe a little bit like Kyle guy, but bigger, um, uh, you know, a guy who yeah. has a little bit more leaping ability, a little bit more creativity to his game. Um, I, I'm with you. So let, just to get back, I, I just wanted to make sure I pointed that out because you did say that on the last pod and it was like, yeah, I, I, I know they need you're that. Like, but Doug, man, we were moving. Like, <laughs> yeah, we, we were moving through the podcast and you threw that one out there and it was like, I touched on it, but then we skipped to something. I think we skipped to Buddy Heald. Um, yeah. And again, like your draft is going to change if you're moving guys and all that stuff. Um, so we'll, I, I'm going to touch on, on Wilcox really quickly. Um, like, look, uh, there was a time where Wes Wilcox was a very, very intriguing candidate for a lot of jobs and i think he's a bright guy um i think that you know he's he's been named uh he's been part of a couple of searches here this summer uh there's been talk about him in detroit there's been talk about him in chicago um he could be on on a list uh but at the same time um the reason why he's one of the reasons why he's not the gm any longer in atlanta is because he said something racially insensitive at a season ticket holder meeting. And I think that there was some sort of email, you know, this is all happening on the tail end of the Danny Ferry situation there. Um, and I, like he might be brilliant and everyone, I think most people deserve a second chance in life. He's a guy who does have, uh, he, he's married to uh, a, a black woman and has children uh, with her. Um, and so that was sort of his, his stance on it. Um, but at the same time, Doug, I just don't think at at this day and age that this is who the Sacramento Kings should jump at. Um, because at at a certain point it's gotta be to quote the Kings and LeBron James and Adam Mendelson, it's gotta be bigger than basketball. Uh, when you're bringing in a guy to run the face of the franchise and you've had a situation, uh, in the, in the recent past, you really can't go that way again, in my opinion, uh, especially if, if you're going to put your, your money where your mouth is, if that makes sense, uh, if you're going to mm-hmm. back up what you've been promoting um, and, and that he might be brilliant. He might be like the right guy in the right situation. Um, I just don't think he's the right guy in this situation. And so like, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on him specifically. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. I think all of that will will get vetted out. And uh, I, I, don't, I didn't know the story. I went back and looked at it a little bit. There wasn't a, a lot there. But uh, yeah, I, I think that this is the vetting process and in, in trying to, to work it out. And if you're the Kings, you just th- this needs to be uh, the right move in so many different ways. And I think that they will take all of this into consideration. And as well, they should, because this is a, a defining move. I, I think in a lot of ways, uh, Kings fans have been suffering for a long time and that needs to, to come to a halt. This Western conference is going to get tougher. We're seeing it getting tougher every single day. And the only way that you can get out of something like this is to develop a team that has the right backbone and culture about it. And it needs to be extremely deep, especially if you don't have your superstar players like a LeBron James, if you don't have that, then you have to develop a team 
team truly 10, 11 deep. And uh, that's going to come with a lot of player development and the ability to take your players and create them into the monsters they need to be in. Yeah. I, I mean, Doug, they can't, they can't miss this time because if you miss this time, you really do have the chance of blowing uh, the prime of De'Aaron Fox of his career. You have got to get this right. You've got to get the guy. And not only do you have to get the right guy, Doug, you got to give the guy the keys and back off. Let him run the basketball side. You go make whatever money you can on the business side, uh, which is going to be difficult enough in, in this situation, the global pandemic. But man, if you can get the right guy, let him make the decisions that are tough and, and get your hands off of this team. That is what has to happen at this point. And, um, I, you know, Vivek's been here seven years. This is, you don't just keep getting another shot and another shot. You know, he's gonna, you don't want to see him blow through, uh, you know, a good four or five year period, or you get to a stretch where, De'Aaron Fox just says, look, I don't want to be here anymore. And you can't, you can't get to that phase. So, and, yeah, and, and congratulations, by the way, to De'Aaron Fox. I, I wanted to say that I saw on that's Instagram, right. he and his fiance, well done, sir. Well done. I say to him. So congratulations to our point guard. He's a, uh, he's a special one. That's for sure. Yeah. He's a great young kid and uh, you need to build around him and congrats. He, he got engaged over the last couple of days. Uh, he put out, out on social media, which is, it's great. This is part yeah. of the, you know, like when players get drafted to cities, people don't understand, like they're pretty much guaranteed eight years there. And wow. you're looking at a 19 year old kid. They grow up Sacramento Kings. They grow yeah. up in this system and it's just different. You know, like you are truly you're in an area and that's where you're going to stay. So Doug, uh, let's just finish up with this. Like I, I think the Kings, They've got a good list of names to start. I, ex I expect the, the list to expand a little bit. I expect it to contract a little bit. Uh, the Trajan Langdon situation is very bizarre, and that is not something that usually happens. Uh, when you get permission to speak to someone, just so someone knows this, when you get permission to speak technically and like uh, you get the permission, that is a two-way street. That, that has already been discussed with a franchise. It's already, already been discussed with an agent. Is there mutual interest? Can we go through the process together? Do you want to be a candidate? And to have someone pull out within like, I don't know, 12 or 24 hours and just like say, I'm not interested anymore. It's a, this is a simple one, Ham. You don't want to be here. We don't want you here. Uh, I, I understand that completely, Doug. And you know what? That is, Doug, they have to be all in. And Langdon yeah, might be the next huge deal in the NBA, you know, former player, former Dookie. Um, but at the same time, if he doesn't want to be here, you have to have the commitment. You have to want to be here, want to bring your family here, want to grow this thing. A hundred percent. And you should look at this job as – not, oh my gosh, it's the Sacramento Kings. They haven't made the playoffs it's a, in 14 years. It's an opportunity. Years. It's one of the greatest opportunities in sports, Sam. Like, I, this I agree, is it. Doug. Like, you will, be, you will be idolized for a lifetime to turn this around. Yeah. This is a special, special place, Sam. I mean, downtown, Doco, all, I know COVID, I get it, but Golden One Center in 
an incredible fan base that I yep. cannot even, I, it, it's hard to put it into words what this fan base is. And this is a possibility of a lifetime. Are you joking me? But hey, you, like I said, you don't want to be here? Go ahead. We don't want you here. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, Jeff Petrie owned this town for almost two decades. I mean, that's, you can own this town. You come in here, you make the right moves. You're aggressive. You're smart. You don't get uh, pushed over. You don't take a bad deal. Um, and, and you look at this as an opportunity. You yes. can own this city. And this could be a job that you last for 20 years. Absolutely. I mean, Jeff Petrie, yeah, he did some amazing things. His last uh, five years, I mean, he drafted Jimmer Fredette over uh, Clay Thompson and Kawhi Leonard. Um, he drafted, uh, yeah, well, he found Isaiah Thomas, but he also yeah, but he drafted, drafted Jimmer over Isaiah. Yeah, and then he also uh, he drafted Thomas Robinson over Damian Lillard. You have to forgive that because he gave you the best eight year run of ever. <laughs> like you have to just forgive it, but he uh, is part hard. of like where we're at now is partially because of the tail end of his career and because of the Maloofs and the way that they were handling their business. But you know, you, you have to find a guy who's like, man, I see it. I see. Uh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. You build and, it. They will come. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay. So Doug, do you have any final thoughts? Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited, to be honest. I know a lot of people, and I, I see social media and different stuff, and there's a lot of apprehension. But to what you just said here, I see opportunity. I'm, I'm different in that. It's half full. It's not half empty. I see this is an incredible opportunity to turn something around. You have a, a, an incredible piece in De'Aaron Fox. The player development side could bring along a guy like Marvin Bagley, who is a number two pick. You put some pieces around. This is it's opportunity in the in the biggest way. And I am optimistic in so many different ways. And I know there's pessimism out there. Listen, 14 years, no playoffs. I totally get it. But I would agree with you, Ham, from the outside looking in. I see opportunity. Yeah, I, I that's I see it, too, Doug. I, I look at this and I think this really isn't a bad job. You make some tweaks, you you could easily turn this thing around. Um, you got a lot of decisions to make. You got you, but at the end of the day, this will be my final thought. If the Kings are willing to just hand this thing over to the right person and get out of the way, then that is how they they return to prominence. You've got to give it to the right person and then back off and let them do their job. And however painful that is, you've got to let them do their job. And I don't want to, I don't want to see a complete teardown. I don't think that this thing has to be a complete teardown. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, you've got to give them leeway to make dynamic decisions and get out of the way. You're paying somebody because maybe they spent 25 years in one of the greatest uh, organizations in basketball or you're giving it to somebody who is trained under some of the greatest minds in that the game has ever seen. Daryl Morey is so next generation and he's done amazing things, whether he's won in, in the playoffs or not, but, and his tree of people is amazing. You know, there are opportunities here for the Kings. If they can get one of these guys, they can buy in and, and say, this is your team. That's how I think uh, that everything turns around. And so I'm hopeful. Um, uh, but I've also been through this before. And then lastly, I'm going to say, like, people, I, 
it's so dark and, and frustrating. I'm looking outside and the smoke's just sitting on the lake. It's just God awful. Uh, be safe. And, you know, I hope all of you are able to stay out of the fire zones and all that stuff. But uh, also if, if your neighbors or people that you know in other communities are hurting, be as generous as you can because losing everything you own is hard. I've seen it firsthand and um, it's absolutely brutal. So, so be good people out there and uh, wear your masks, wear your masks. Absolutely. I keep saying it, Doug. <laughs> no doubt. Go Kings. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Purple Talk podcast on NBC Sports California brought to you by Wendy's. Thanks for tuning in. Sorry we didn't get our big guest. Uh, we're hopeful next week. Uh, there's some, some you know, issues because of, you know, just for us to get our, our guests that we're going to bring in. But uh, that's not dead yet. And we will start bringing in guests. It's just it's sort of the dog days of summer before we hit everything. So for Doug Christie, I'm James Ham. Thanks for tuning in to the Purple Talk podcast.